I'm Jody Whites, Results and Success Coach, and these podcasts teach you how to make significant changes to live your dreams, make a positive impact on the world, and drop your regrets. It's time for you to get spectacular. Welcome back to Your Spectacular Life. I'm Jody Whites your business coach, making your life more spectacular so you not only love your work, but you love your life. And I have a guest with me today, Elizabeth Lombardo. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Elizabeth. Elizabeth, PhD, Elizabeth Lombardo PhD is a licensed practicing psychologist with an MS in physical therapy and a PhD in psychology who combines research findings, real life stories and humor to provide actionable tips that individuals can benefit from immediately. Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo has the best tips in her new book, Get Out of the Red Zone. It is the book you need to help and guide you to de-stress and focus on the things that will make you truly successful. The Get Out of the Red Zone book has everything you need and more to have the right frame of mind to overcome all of life challenges. She is considered the country's most widely interviewed celebrity psychologist with hundreds of radio and TV appearances on shows like Dr. Oz, The Today Show, Steve Harvey, CNN, Fox Business News, and has also been quoted in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, women's health and success magazines. And that is just a short list. Wow. I am so thrilled to have you on my show. And you are certainly well known out there, um, which is really exciting. So Elizabeth, um, how did everything start? I mean, <laughs> we all have many lives. <laughs> and uh, I'm just curious, um, where did you start? And where did you kind of know that this was your calling? Yeah, so I started off. So after college, I went to physical therapy school, I was a practicing physical therapist, and I loved being a PT, you know, helping people get out of pain and helping them play their sport again after an injury was really rewarding. And I thought, I'm set, like, I'm good. I'm enjoying my life. <laughs> and then I had I had a I had a client, a patient who um, experienced changed my life forever. So he was a gentleman who had had a surgical amputation because of diabetic complications, Goodness. unfortunately, not uncommon. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll call him David. David was brought down to the physical therapy gym. And it was my job to enroll and opportunity to get to teach him how to walk again, right? To um, be able to function independently after mm -hmm. losing part of his limb. And he came down to the gym and was just deflated. I mean, he, he, you could tell he wanted nothing to do to be there. He yelled at me to send him back to his room. And so I, 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 I did send him back to his room and, and later we did rounds, the doctors and nurses and therapists all talking about each client and how we can best serve them. And we all agreed that David was struggling. 
-hmm. That made sense. It was the next statement that changed my life forever. The attending physician, right? The surgeon who had cut off David's leg uh, the day before is kind of half, 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 half taking notes and looks up and says, I'll prescribe him Prozac. Oh my word. And I thought there's a time and place for medication without a doubt. But what really struck me was, it seems to me, maybe someone should talk to him, like help him process this loss and this change of identity. And, um, and, and it was, it was almost like the heavens opened up and, and, and a voice came down and said, Elizabeth, this is your calling. (laughs) Um, And I realized that's really what my role was in this world was to help people deal with loss disappointment, right? I mean, we don't all lose a limb, thankfully, but we do all deal with loss, right? Loss of a job, a relationship, a a loved one, the life that we thought we were going to have, the freedom we thought we'd have as we just (laughs) experienced with the pandemic and, and giving people, helping people get through those times, not just by supporting them, but by offering specific skills of coping and how to move forward was really what I wanted to do. So I went back to school um, and I remember the first first week in psychology school, I was madly taking notes, paper and pen, right? And, um, and I remember thinking to myself, why do I have to get a PhD to learn this? <laughs> right. We all benefit right. from understanding how this our mind works, basics, and, and how to make it work for and against us. Because I would contend that pretty much every issue we struggle with, whether it's relationship or health or businesses, it starts up here. Sure. It starts in our mind and what we're saying to ourselves. And I am an entrepreneur and I, um, you know, am a parent and I am, you know, I, I, even in my own life, there are certainly external circumstances, but it's not the events per se. It's what we say to ourselves about them. It's our mindset regarding them that will determine how we function. And so it really became my mission in life to help people. I say, you know, get the, the, the understanding of what psychology shares with us what we know from the research, but do it in what I would call bite-sized digestible morsels so that, you know, we don't have to do a you know, seven-year program to get this information, <laughs> but we can have one bite and we can, we can digest it. We can apply it in our lives to make our lives even better. Right. Well, well, that is certainly impressive that you, you know, you put one and one or one and two together and said, you know, it is the mind that we have to start with. I mean, with whatever circumstances, I mean, you can have a little baggage, you can have a lot of baggage, but what is that person thinking? And where are they stuck? And how can we break it down? I love the bite-sized pieces in moving them forward. So, um, you know, just curious, did you have any of your own challenges mindset wise that you had to get over. I know she's How looking at have? me. Right, right. All do. <laughs> let me, let me go sit on my couch. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you know, you, you, know, you have tools. Yes, we are, we're human and yeah. this is a life, but I'm curious, um, tell me a little bit about what you ran into and how you helped yourself. Well, I'll tell you one of the biggest obstacles I had was I had an incredible fear of public speaking and being on camera. 
My goodness, that's uh, hard yeah. to imagine with, I, with your with resume. With all that I've done, exactly. Yeah. I went to uh, high school and there were 47 kids in my graduating class. <laughs> I was friends with all of them. Um, I mean, not best friends, but you know, I was friendly with all of them. I felt comfortable with all of them. And I used to say, I would never in a million years stand up in front of these people it was too big of a group. Anything bigger than three was too much for me. Um, my husband and I lived in Dallas, Texas, and we moved from Dallas to Pittsburgh. And this was whoa, before the internet, not necessarily before the internet, but before like, you know, you could see clients on Zoom or, or even on the phone. And I closed my private practices. I had two private practices there and I closed them. And it was, it was kind of traumatic for my clients who come to see their psychologist for fear of abandonment, right? Mm -hmm. And here I am leaving them. And, you know, now it's not a big deal. I have clients all over the world who I've never even met, right? But back, right. back then it was a big deal. And so I said to myself, I am not going to open a, a private practice again. I'm going to write a book so that mm -hmm. I can help people in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, and there's something in psychology called bibliotherapy, but basically it's self-help books. And we really, <laughs> there's a lot of research to demonstrate how effective it is. I'm a psychologist. I believe in therapy. I'm a master certified coach. I believe in coaching. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need help from someone else and sometimes we can do it on our own. So I wrote a book on happiness called A Happy You, Your Ultimate Prescription for Happiness. And then as I was writing the book, I learned a little statistic, which is the average book sells less than 250 copies its first year. Ouch. <laughs> my thought exactly so right. even i was putting all this time energy and effort into it and i was going to have my mom and my husband buy you know several dozen books <laughs> i realized i need to create and develop a platform yeah, so yeah. what does that mean well back then it meant being on tv doing media and being on stages speaking and so oh i realized <laughs> i needed to do that but in order to do that i had to do a lot of work on myself and overcome my fears and overcome the anxiety that I had of being on stage or, or being on camera. So um, wow. I, you know, I always say I practice what I preached. Um, and now, <laughs> you know, now I'm on today's show with, I don't know, five, six million pairs of eyes on me. And, and I can do it with, um, you know, with, with uh, confidence, but also pure joy instead yeah. of the anxiety and the the tension that used to come with it. And that's when you know, like you're in your zone, we're gonna talk about your book, but when you can get up and do something that used to be really frightening, and you get up and you're in the middle of it, and you're like, I'm having a great time. I like this, good for me, you know, patting yourself on the back. But, um, Going back to your book, you went ahead with the 250 copy statistic. <laughs> I love it. And you wrote, get out of the red zone. And I'm just curious, why, what spurred you to write that one? And tell me a little bit about that book. Yeah, so full disclosure, I think, and I don't have data for this, I have data, but I don't have empirical evidence, but I think most self-help authors write books for themselves, mm. right? Oh, so I wrote the happiness book because I, I had an interaction with a client who, another gentleman who had had an amputation, but instead of being depressed, he was the happiest man I've ever seen. It was incredible. He had both of his arms surgically amputated. One might expect him to be down and in the dumps. Absolutely. He was the happiest guy ever. And I thought, 
if he can be that happy, <laughs> like, you know, the Harry met Sally, like I want what she had. I, I thought I right. want what he had. So I went on that journey and wrote the one on happiness. Then I realized my biggest obstacle for me to my happiness was my perfectionism, right? Uh-huh. And all or nothing, perfect sure. or failure, perfect or, or forget it. And not wanting to get rid of the positive of perfectionism, which is the striving for excellence. But wanting to get rid of the not so positive, which is that inner critic consistently telling you, you suck, you're not, you know, you're you're never going to be good enough. So I wrote a book called Better Than Perfect, wanting to help others and myself. Mm -hmm. So then I realized that one of the one of the things that puts us into a perfectionistic place is when we are at high levels of stress. Mm -hmm. And I see it with with myself. I see I see it with my clients Um, in particular. I mean, the the concept was started before the pandemic. But since the pandemic, there's just so many opportunities to be talking about and helping people uh, get out of this psychological red zone and the psychological red zone different from the football red zone that people want to get into. The psychological red zone is when we experience high levels of stress or in psychology, we call it distress. Distress is the negative component of stress and really is any emotion you don't want. So it could be anger, frustration, overwhelm, irritability, worry, guilt, shame, helplessness, helplessness, worthlessness. Goes on a continuum from zero and no distress at all to 10, the most distressed you've ever been. And the red zone happens when we're at a seven out of 10 or higher. So a seven and eight and nine or 10, that's when we're in the red zone. And in the red zone, we don't always think rationally and we don't always act rationally. And one of the other reasons for writing the book was I really wanted to answer the question, why do good people sometimes do some not so good things Mm. and full disclosure Mm. that included myself right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know and trying to figure out like i think i'm a pretty good person and yet there were times when i wasn't all that terrific in terms of how i spoke perhaps to my children or to my husband Mm. and you know why why is that and And do you think that's stress related do you think you were in a high level of stress and that's exactly again all the thinking went out the window and rational thinking goes out the window Yep. grab the whatever emotion was there and let that loose on whoever was in the room with you. <laughs> share it. And don't we tend to share it with the people we love we, the most? We right? share. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and I think it's important that, that people are really aware of where they are in this distress scale. Because when, again, when we get into that seven, that eight, the nine, that 10, we're not thinking rationally. It's It's not you're not smart enough. It's not, you're not good enough. It's the way our brain is wired. So when we're at low levels of distress, we're using more of that frontal lobe, right? The structure that differentiates us from other animals allows us to engage in perspective taking, problem solving, executive functioning. When we're in the green zone, that low levels of stress, we can see all perspectives, right? This is where confidence happens. I'm not perfect. I believe in myself. This is where resilience happens. Times are tough. I know I can get through it. But as we go up on the stress scale, our focus narrows so that when we get into the red zone, the seven, the eight, the nine, the 10, we're focused almost exclusively on the negatives. And biologically, what happens is our limbic system, the fight or flight, tends to basically hijack our rational thinking. So our brain thinks it's in a fight or flight situation. And so it reacts accordingly. Right. And uh, that survival mode kicks in. And all it is is about, right, fight or flight or get away from that situation. And we shut down. And it, yeah. yeah. And if you think about it evolutionarily, it made yeah. a lot of sense. It sure our, did. Our cave ancestors heard a rustling in the bush. If they thought, nah, sure, it's nothing, 
They may not live another day, right? right? Instead, they got rid of the animal. They got away from the animal. The animal was gone. They got out of the red zone. The <laughs> right. problem is our brain still functions like that, sure. but our sources of stress aren't short-term an animal there or not. Our sources of stress tend to be more chronic. Exactly. Hello, pandemic, right? Health issues, financial issues, relationship, work, whatever it is. And so a lot of people are spending a lot of time in this red zone. And then their brain starts to rewire to think in more of a red zone way, which just perpetuates that high level of stress. Right. We tend to lay down that neuroplasticity exactly. with one topic only, and that is you know, what do I have to look out for? What's coming down the pike? You know, you're hyper vigilant in um, trying to sort out danger, which may or may not be there. It just becomes part of your neuro, um, you know, the neurons that are firing to keep you out of that danger. So getting out of the red zone, you know, give me you know, three tips of a way that somebody who does operate like this has a high, is a high achiever, a perfectionist can get out of this thinking, can be more rational, can be more calm. Well, yeah. And so I see there, there, there are different strategies. If you were in the red zone, a seven and eight and nine or 10, there's certain things that you want to do. If you want to prevent yourself from getting there or stay out, there are other things. But when we're in that red zone, you know, someone's freaking out, they're yelling, and someone tells them to just calm down. <laughs> there. Never in the right. history of mankind has that ever been helpful. Right. And why is that? Because a red zone brain basically feels like or thinks that it is drowning. If I'm drowning or you're drowning, flailing around shouting, and someone says, just calm down. <laughs> you know, we have a reaction. It's not a calm down reaction, right? right. And so, that reaction may may uh, actually swing back at you in certain. What, what do you mean, calm down? <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. So I created something called the Helm Principle, H E L M. So it's the notion of when you are in the red zone, a seven and eight and nine or ten, you want to grab your stress by the helm. I love acronyms, so that's an acronym. H is halt. Halt all movement in this region of your body. And by that, I mean your mouth. When you're in the red zone, don't let anything out of your mouth because that's when we say things we later regret, <laughs> right? And don't put anything in your mouth because that's when we tend to consume things we later regret. E of the helm principle is exercise. Now, I don't mean you have to get in your car and go to the gym and, and, and lift weights. I mean, move your body in any way. Push-ups, sit-ups, squats, going for a brisk walk, jogging up a flight of stairs, jumping on the bed, right? When we move our bodies like this, our bodies release biochemicals that allow our brain to get out of the red zone. So that's E. L is laughter. We know that laughter is the best medicine. And when we laugh, it allows us to get out of the red zone and see a different perspective. The other day, my teenager was being teenagery. And, uh, you know, in our household, we, we have conversations about the red zone. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm getting the red zone a little bit. I want to have this conversation with you and I want to be my best self. We're not our best self in the red zone. Hmm. So I excused myself, went into my office, hopped on YouTube, watched a couple of SNL skits. <laughs> I think they're funny. <laughs> they the laughter funny. got me out of the red zone. Then I could go back and be a better parent. 
right? So that's L and then M is music. Right. We've all probably heard songs we haven't heard in you know, years, even decades. And it brings us back to that time. Right. Music has a very powerful impact on our emotions. So I recommend my coaching clients actually keep a get out of the red zone playlist so that you know, <laughs> because a red zone brain, it's really hard. What song would be helpful right now? So just have that playlist of songs that bring you back to a happier time. You like the lyrics, you like the beat. And by the way, if you dance around and then you get two of those. So that's what we can do to get out of the red zone. And when we're out of the red zone, that's when we can start to think more rationally. That's when we can start to use other different techniques to help us stay out of the red zone. That's great. I love that. And I love the fact that it's accessible right there in the moment. You know, you stop, you move, you, you know, you, you try some laughter and then you can start dancing around and get your mind totally out of it. And then you can come back to going deeper and understanding, wow, you know, what caused that, yeah. what caused that trigger in me? Yeah. And let's, let's understand that. And then let's talk, have a, a neutral conversation with the people who perhaps triggered me to make them understand what what are my triggers to stay away from those or to discuss them when they come up? So that's great. Yeah, and we can't do that when we're in the red zone. I'll, I'll give a, an example. So I, um, you know, I'm a peak performance coach is what I do. So I work with executives, entrepreneurs. I also work with athletes. And I had a particular athlete. It was our it was our first session. I, I'd never met this young woman before. And she gets on, uh, uh, it was on Zoom. She gets on the call with her mother excuse me, but snot coming out of her nose crying. Definitely a 10 out of 10, right? And I have I have a whole bag of tricks on how to rewire your brain so that, it, you know, it's it, your mindset is right for peak performance and get into the flow. And none of those would work mm -hmm. because she was in the red zone. Mm -hmm. So I asked her, I said, what's your favorite song? And of course she had it right on her phone. So she hits play. She stands up. I stand up right here in this office. The mom stands <laughs> up and we start dancing around. Mm -hmm. So we're moving. We got music. She was laughing. I'm not sure if it was because of my dancing or not, but whatever. <laughs> but what happened? Within 90 seconds, she is laughing and she's in the green zone. Mm. Then I can start to work with her. Mm -hmm. But if I had tried to have a serious conversation with her about it's your thoughts that are causing you to feel you know, right. distrust. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't have helped. So, yeah. so being really aware of where we are and that's going to determine the best course of action at that particular time. Yeah, and throwing in those 70 dance moves, I'm sure did not hurt the situation. <laughs> yeah, you know, how many how many times have we had arguments with a partner, a loved one, and we just move into that red zone, nothing gets resolved. We stay hurt and triggered for quite some time. And it takes much longer to come back from that and to be in a healthy, positive place because we didn't recognize being in that red zone. So it's this is great. We don't recognize it in ourselves, but yeah. if we don't recognize it in someone else, right. then we're going to personalize their behavior. Exactly. Right. And so the beauty, one of the things I love about the concept of the red zone is one, it's super easy, right? We all can understand it. Yeah. But two, what a great conversation to be able to have. Because if someone else is in the red zone, that is not the time to personalize what they're saying. 
because, you know, it, it's when we're in the red zone. It's kind of like people who have too much to drink and they say something that <laughs> makes a lot of sense at that particular time. Then they wake up the next morning. They're like, oh, yeah, that wasn't so good. So it also gives us these tools to understand other people and give them some grace. It doesn't yeah. mean it's OK to treat you like that. But when you can understand, oh, they're in the red zone right now, instead of getting upset with them, what's best is to help them get out of the red zone or give them some space, then you can come back and have a conversation with them. Right. You know, you could even use the word red zone as a code word to say, we both have to stop talking. We have to take some space, yeah. you know, go for a walk, and then we'll come back in an hour or two and then try to connect and process what happened. And that would be great. Well, and I'll tell you, I was giving a keynote a couple of months ago to a, um, to a, a, an organization. And a week later, I did group coaching with the executive team. It's like my favorite thing to do, right? To see what worked, what didn't work, let's play with it. And the CFO of the company told me, she said, after I understood this concept of the red zone, before every meeting, she now asks people, where are you from zero nice. to 10, including herself. Nice. She had a really important meeting with her financial analysts, right? They were going to work on projections for the next year. He was at a nine out of 10. And she Ooh. said, I knew he would be no good because a red zone brain is so focused on problems. It, it has difficulty concentrating and, and, and focusing. So she rescheduled the meeting. She gave him a gift certificate to Grubhub, which I love. They met the next morning and they had an incredibly productive meeting. Nice. What message is she sending? I care about you. Right. You're human. We all get in the red zone. Let's give you some space so that you can, you know, take care of that. And then let's meet so that we can be really productive and, and engage moving forward. Right. What a great conversation to be have in the workplace and frankly, in our homes. And what a nice tool to have to be able to not only recognize where you are, put a number to it, take care of your needs if you need to, and then move on with your next meeting, your, you know, writing, doing whatever you need to be, to be relaxed and creative. So it's a great tool. And Elizabeth, how can people get a hold of you and, and get out of the red zone? Uh, they go to elizabethlombardo.com, elizabethlombardo.com. Not only can they find more information about me, they can uh, get the book. There's a link there. But there's also a quiz of are you in the red zone? So if you want to know <laughs> if you're in the red zone and just how far you are in that red zone, you can take that quiz. Lovely. That's great. Um, and I just want to ask before we get off, I love this information. It is so helpful for my listeners, helpful for me as well. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small businesses, and individuals that want to scale their business. Yeah. Wondering, you know, how about the PR and media side that I, I do see on your website, it is impressive. How would you recommend somebody breaking into TV, public speaking, and getting quoted in the Wall Street Journal? Yeah, you know, people often say to me, well, how, do, how, how, can, can, how can I get on the Today yeah. Show? Yeah. I'm like, uh, you start local. So <laughs> local media needs experts. And when I say experts, some entrepreneurs are like, I'm not an expert. Yes, you are. 
You're an expert at what you do. You know more than someone else, right? A, a seven-year-old who teaches a three-year-old how to tie a shoe, they're an expert compared to the three-year-old. So I highly recommend people start local. Go to your local. And, and by the way, when you're pitching TV, you pitch the producer, not the on-air talent. How do you find out who the producer is? There's this really cool thing. It's called Google. <laughs> producer and name the show. And then just pitch them. Um, the more videos you have available online, the more likely they are to have you on because I call it wedding band syndrome. Theoretically, if a man goes to a bar with a wedding band, he's more attractive because he's already been vetted. Media is like that. They want to make sure you've already been on camera, that if they put you on camera, you're not going to freezer or mess up. So the more yeah. videos you have, the more practice you have, the more they can see you on camera, start local. And it's, it's, it's a really great way to start to build that up. And same thing for speaking, start speaking locally, find a cause. And, um, you know, there's a lot of talk in the speaking industry. Do I do it for free or not? Um, you can decide that my motto is have a price, um, but also have maybe three different organizations where you would like to speak and let them know that this is part of your pro bono. This is part of your philanthropic work. And you would like to offer a free training on whatever it is. And all you ask is, um, and then you can decide what you ask, whether it's their logo, whether it's their um, a testimonial from them because social proof is so important, whether it's an introduction to um, someone else who may be willing to pay you, but you can start like that. So you aren't giving your services away for free. You just may not be getting the financial compensation right. that, that some speakers have and, and realize it, it, it takes time. I mean, I wanted to be on the today show and I pitched, I'm not kidding. Two years now. Now I wouldn't do that. Now I would hire a PR agent. There, you know, there, mm -hmm. there are other ways to go about it. But I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but just be perseverant. Don't give up. Just like with your business, just keep moving forward. And oh, the other thing I would say is get the training. I've done extensive training on speaking and extensive training on media training. And so not only having the opportunities, but making sure that you're good when you have those opportunities are key. Right. All great, all great suggestions. I love start small, start local, and be on the internet. Have a lot of videos to see how you will come across. I love that. And to oh, be also, comfortable. Yeah. And I'll say one more thing, if, if you don't mind. I was speaking with the Speakers Bureau the other day about, you know, how can what are some things I can do to, for them to be more likely to, to um, hire me or at least put me in their pitches. And the head of the speakers bureau said, it's not TV, it's LinkedIn. Be on LinkedIn. Interesting. He said, Every, you know, everyone who's hiring is on LinkedIn. And I don't just mean hiring for a job, but in terms of speakers, in terms of coaches. So put out content. What are you passionate about? Put out content on a regular basis. It could be a video view. It could be sharing an article. It could be sharing your insights. But that is free. You can start publishing right now. And it's, it, it is very impactful. That is a great tip. Yeah, get out in social media. And I love hearing narrow it down to LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. That's who you want to try to impress. Well, Elizabeth, again, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for all your recommendations. I love Get Out of the Red Zone book, and um, you have given my listeners quite a lot to think about. 
And well, thank you, you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to get to be on your podcast. Absolutely. All right. You take care and, um, you know, keep on, uh, keep on helping us as a society, as a world live in green zones. Let's get out <laughs> of the red zone for sure. Thanks. Absolutely. I'm so grateful that you've listened to the end of this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review it, and share it with your friends. I love teaching insights so that you can have a more impactful and meaningful life. It's my mission to build a thriving community of happy, fulfilled people. Want more? Visit my website at yourspectacularlife.com. Dot com.